The Bible says if I seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? Then what happens? All these things will be added. It didn't say seek to make sure the bills are paid or to make sure I can get to the next restaurant to eat or buy the next pair of shoes. Do not laugh. But it says when I seek him first, amen, then all these things, because all we really need is him. He is more than we will ever need, amen. That I can promise you. We're in a time in the life of the church, if you are new to the Methodist church, maybe you've been in the Methodist church forever and you're like, I'm not totally sure why I've got to give up something or take something on, but we've hit that season. I love it because the life um, in the church, when we do Ash Wednesday and people are walking around with ashes either on their head or their hands, people are like, now why do you do that? Most of my friends um, in other denominations that do this with me go, what is that? Part of why I love United Methodist Church is because of this season. This past Wednesday, we had Ash Wednesday service that begins a process for us called Lent. There's a lot of really good things about Lent. One being the liturgical color is purple. Can I get a witness? But it is a time for us to stop and go, okay. I kind of need to stop and pay attention. And maybe it's Stop doing something that you know has been a bad habit for you. Maybe it's something that you love that's not even a bad habit. Maybe it's just something that you know sometimes can take precedence over just spending time with God. Maybe for some of you, you take something on. Because you're like, I need to be reminded that there's more in this world than me. So I take something on. Whatever that is for you, the point of Lent is for us to stop and capture the moment of what it means to fully live and understand what Christ did for us. To stop and fully understand what it means living into that every day of our life and acknowledging it. And I'm really excited because right now we're starting a series today called Soul Reset. That's just a good title, isn't it? How is your soul? Do you know? When you really stop, how is your soul? This week I got asked, Didi, how do I know? I always describe to people for me when I think about the soul, it's at the very core of who I am. It's at the very core of what I am. Is my soul. Is your life in crisis? Are you even living in the light? Like maybe you are. Some of you, I know you, I, I swear, I'm like, I'm gonna grow up and be just like you one day. 
Maybe for some of you, it's just a time to realize, Lord, this really isn't about nine to five every single day of my life or the next thing that's on the list to get checked off, but it's just time with you. So what does it mean to reset? I've been thinking about this a lot. Probably about 18 years ago, I decided I was going to buy a sports car. Do not laugh, Dennis Street. But if I had not been in ministry or a singer, I'm not kidding you, I would have been a race car driver. I'm really not kidding. My dad had already put me through classes. I was learning how to drive. My mother thought it was hysterical. She called me A.J. Foyt, and I didn't even know who that was. But I got this car, and it was the coolest car. It was what they called Portofino Silver. And it was so low to the ground, I had no issue getting in and out of it. And if you're short, you understand exactly what I mean. You got in the car and the computer was beautiful. It had wood grain. It was the coolest car. But two weeks into driving this car, it started doing all kinds of crazy things. I would take it in. They would tell me it was this. I would get back home and it would do something else. It was like, what is in this car? Every time I turn around, the air conditioner would go out. Or, or if I pushed AC, the heat came on. Or if I pushed the heat, the AC came on. Or if I flipped the switch on my chair, it would roll down the window. Serious, true story. Constantly. So finally, after about the fifth time of taking my car in uh, and having it maybe six weeks by this point, when I took it in, the guy comes out and I can tell he's like deer in headlights. He's got this look. He's like, ma'am, the only thing that we can figure out to do for your car is we're going to have to reset it. Okay, that's awesome. He goes, no, 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 wait a minute. When we reset your car, that means everything that you've set to memory, every single thing, and if you know me on my radio, I've got it set a real certain way. I'm very, does that surprise you, detailed about that? All of that, it will be gone. Your mirrors, your chair, your air conditioner, all of it. We will have to help you figure out how to reprogram everything in this car. But it's the only way we know how to help you get rid of whatever is going on. So there was no choice. We reset. And believe it or not, it was a real button. Interesting part was, it was a process. It was a process of getting things to work again the way that I had them set up that I even forgot I had set up. It was a process of the obvious things that I knew immediately that I was going to have to fix, so I did. But it was an ongoing process. It took work on my part. 
took patience. It took me like focusing for a minute going, okay, don't forget this, don't forget that. Because when you're in your car, you're used to, especially when you're short, you need the chair to work. But here's the thing. It never had another glitch again. Never had to take that car back. Sometimes we have to just reset. And in this series, it's going to allow us to do that. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you today about one portion of what that can look like. And we called it eat something. And some of you go, well, I'm trying not to eat something. But just follow me. We're going to start today in 1 King chapter 19, starting at verse 5. One of my favorite people to read about is Elijah. He laid down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, Get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked and glowing on glowing coals and a jar of water. What would you do if you just woke up and all of a sudden there's this pretty flatbread sitting right there? I know some of y'all, y'all would say, get me a margarita. <laughs> Veronica. <laughs> he ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up. The messenger said, eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived in Horeb, God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And I'm going to put this last line in there and I'll explain it to you in a minute why I want to leave this in there. But it says, the Lord's word came to him and said, why are you here, Elijah? So have you ever been so tired that you're tired is tired? That was a phrase my dad used to say, man, I am so tired. My tired is tired. You go to sleep at night and you can't even go to sleep because you're so tired, right? Are you taking care of yourself or is life taking care of you? And then I wonder, which was a question I had for myself in this series as we started it is, are you living your best life? Or is life living it for you? Are you living your best life? This is where Elijah was. He was tired. Elijah is a prophet. Now this guy has been in charge. Like he has been busy. Here's what he's, just a little bit before we get to this part, I want you to understand what Elijah has done. Everything seems to be going his way, confronting kings and followers of Baal, performing miracles, including raising the dead. You see what I'm saying? He's been busy. 
He even calls lightning down from heaven. But now we find that in an instant, something has changed for Elijah. He's tired, might even be slightly depressed. When you read some of of, uh, the commentaries, they'll tell you some people thought he was suicidal. He just hit a wall. Even a prophet that had done so much needed a soul reset. You wouldn't think someone that had done so much would need that, would you? You would think he's got it figured out. That was the part I'm I'm like, we're talking about Elijah here. This is a prophet who has served the Lord where little by little, one thing after another has happened that he has done, that he has worked for. And now, due to circumstances, is fleeing to the wilderness to sleep. To sleep. And he's so exhausted that a messenger has to say, get up and eat. That's exhaustion. How many have ever been there? Have you been in that place? How many have been there and maybe you were like Elijah and you didn't even realize you had gotten there? Have you ever been in that place? That all of a sudden you lay down and 13 hours later you wake up and you're like, I don't think I knew I was that tired. But I don't think it's just in your physical body that we get that way. I think we also get that way mentally. We have a list and there's so much going on and there's so much happening that our mind cannot keep up. And then our bodies are trying to keep up with this kid and that kid and this job and that job. And here's the other part. Our bodies are trying to keep up with ministry. We get worn out. After Elijah eats and drinks for the first time, he lies down again. And once again, an angel touches him and commands him to rise and eat. But this is what I want you to remember is is, is it says during this second encounter, the angel explains the reason why to Elijah, because the way is too much for you. If you don't eat, you won't be ready for what is to come. I felt right then, I just had to stop. If you don't eat, you're not going to be prepared for what is to come. Reverend Dotson, who wrote the book, Soul Reset, tells a story, and I loved this story. He says, he was preaching a funeral of all things. It was a rather large funeral, and he said, I loved this family so much. He said, I had to preach this funeral. And when you're a pastor and someone in your congregation passes away, you have to preach the funeral. And he said, but I wasn't feeling right, and I didn't know what was going on. And he says, I'm in the middle of preaching this funeral, and I realize something is about to happen. So I am rushing, and I am hurrying, and I'm trying to get through this message to the end of this service, but I didn't make it, and he passes out in the middle of the funeral. 
I just want you to know that would be the worst thing ever. You're at someone's funeral and you pass out. They get him to the ER and here's what they tell him he has. Extreme fatigue. According to the latest definition, this includes all kinds of fatigue. But here's what they will tell you is that 836,000 to 2.5 million people every year will gain extreme fatigue. It's growing that fast. It said in 2015 in yougov.com poll found that 38% of Americans already have poor sleeping habits, eating habits, and meditation habits. And it's growing. I think many of us are walking around in fatigue. Do you guys agree? Y'all don't look at me and go, no, I know better. I think many of us walk around fatigue. We have gotten into so many bad habits just by accident. Because here's what I believe. I believe we get into a place where we don't live anymore. We just survive. And like that car of mine, things just keep going wrong. And then we don't understand why is this going wrong. And then we get it fixed and then this goes wrong. And none of it makes sense why it keeps going wrong. And the only way it's going to get better is if we hit reset. That's the only way it's going to get better. Because then what happens when we begin to hit reset is we begin to go, okay, I can't do this anymore. God, put me in the way you created me to be and place me in the way I need to be placed. There's kind of this control thing that happens when we begin to let go. How do we begin to live? We have to allow him to hit the button. We have to let go. And through the process of Lent, that's what it's about for us is letting go. Letting go of maybe habits that are just not necessarily bad habits. They're just habits that aren't for you. I'm just telling you, Jesus is pleased with chocolate and shoes. How could that be a bad thing? coffee. But here's the deal. Any of those things that take the place of what God is in my life and where God is to me and for me and in all of those places, anything that gets in the way of that, it needs to go. It needs to go. We can't do it alone. I could not get my car fixed by myself. Pastor Junius could not preach that funeral that day because why he had gotten to a place where everything had become way more important than taking care of himself. Now I'm going to stop for a minute and go off just to the side and say to you, I'm not saying that this sermon is make it all about you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is take care of yourself so that you can make it all about him. I tell this story periodically, but my mother was terrified of water before I was ever born. When they were traveling, they watched a kid drown. And so 
because of that phobia, I knew how to swim and I had my lifeguard license before I was 10 years old. Don't ask what this hair looks like when it's swimming, but it's not a good look. But I remember going down to the beach, we were in Galveston, and they took us underneath the boardwalk. And they said, okay, the object of the game for you to get the next part of your license is you've got to go out to the end of this pier and you have to bring this dummy in. If you do this correct, you pass. If you don't, you have immediately failed your course. Okay, so we all go out and we begin one by one by one. First person comes back, takes the dummy and places himself between the pylon and the victim, which was just this heavy dummy that we brought back in. Fail. Immediate fail. Got the dummy back, but it was a fail. I'm watching and I'm like, what's happening? The next person goes back does the same thing, does it quicker because they thought it was because it needed to be in short time, fail. And finally, the instructor says, here's the deal. If you put yourself between that dummy and the pylon and you die, neither one of you are going to make it. You've got to put your victim between you and that pylon so that we know at least you make it back. Guys, many of us are sitting there putting everything between us and what's going on in our life. And you know what? If we don't make it, those around us won't make it. We have to stop and reset. We have to stop and go, am I maintaining my body the way that I should? Am I maintaining my mind the way that I should? I know I don't have time to read and pray, but make time. When you do something for Lent this year, make sure you hit reset. Because here's the deal, we want everybody to make it. And there's a lot of people depending on you to be the one to help them make it. Live into being the healthiest you you can be. Live into diving into what does that mean for you. Maybe you've just got some habits that aren't necessarily bad. Maybe one Coke a day isn't bad, but is that really good for you? But there's no better way to understand nourishment than what we're about to do. We're going to come to a time now of of communion. And when I think of soul reset, nothing set my soul into a better place than, than remembering the greatest meal ever served. And here's what I know. It wouldn't have mattered what it was that day. God would have, Jesus would have used it right there at the table and he would have served with it right there at the table, whatever it was. But we know that he took bread and we know that he took wine. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do you know why we do communion? Because communion is a time to remind us that he nourishes us every single day. 
that his grace is applied to our life every single day, that his love is given to us freely. There was nothing you had to do to earn that. It's not because it's some ritual that we love that we've done in the church our whole life and it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. There are very real reasons why we take this time. Why it is important to us in the life to remember why we do this. Because when we do that, it does give our soul a moment to say, reset. And when I remember the wine and I remember the bread, I remember the nourishment that was given for me and given to me freely. So as Don and Randall and our crew get ready, I want you to bow your head with me. Father God, this season, Father, help us to dive deep. understanding the God that you are and what you are doing and who you are in our lives. Lord, in the reset that we all need. Some of us are literally hanging on by thread. Feels like life has beat us up and the unexpected and the scary things that are ahead of us that we don't know or the things we have just been through. Father, what I know is that you are a faithful God. In all things, you are faithful. You will be our shelter. You will be our comfort. You will be be our guide. You will be the courage that we need and the wisdom to speak. Father, let us begin this journey together in a way that is not just stirring, but is life-changing. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and we give you honor. In your precious and your holy name.